From the newsroom of Impact Alpha, I'm Anique Aiken, and this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, February 17th. Today, Impact Alpha's David Bank talks with Project Equity's Allison McGain about the growing popularity of employee ownership as a strategy for generating wealth and democratizing the economy. But first, here's what you need to know from the week in Impact Investing. Private equity giants are doubling down on the low-carbon transition and impact investing. Brookfield, KKR, Apollo, and now TPG, over the past week, one private equity executive after another has singled out the low-carbon transition as a key opportunity for raising and deploying capital. Executives at both KKR and TPG said their impact funds were among their best-performing strategies last year, with internal rates of return of 32% and 25% respectively. KKR has closed on at least $1.9 billion for its second global impact fund, and TPG on a similar amount for its third RISE impact fund. Both are raising new climate-related funds as well. Corporate buyers like Lowe's, Walmart, and Merck staked Aerial Alternatives' $1.5 billion to diversify supply chains and close racial wealth gaps. The plan, buy up mid-sized companies that are not led by people of color, overhaul management, and connect them to corporate buyers. To learn more about the strategy, check out the Q&A with Ariel's Leslie Brunn on impactalpha.com. Redwood Materials has arranged a $2 billion loan from the U.S. Department of Energy. Listeners to this podcast know about the DOE's Loans Program Office, run by Jigger Shah, which provides loan guarantees for companies key to the low-carbon transition. Redwood is building a plant in McCarran, Nevada to make parts of electric batteries and to recycle old batteries. Recycling those battery materials is important because the lithium and electric vehicle supply chain more broadly are riddled with human rights abuses. In a guest post on Impact Alpha, Working Capital's Evan Oaken charts five tech innovations that could weed out such abuses. And speaking of EVs, many drivers are frustrated with broken and out-of-service charging stations. Charger help is on the way. The LA company raised $17 million to expand their core of EV charger repair technicians. The company hires and trains electric vehicle service technicians while paying them at least $30 an hour and sharing equity in the company. Call it the silver tsunami. In the United States, baby boomers own half of the privately held businesses with employees. And those boomers are beginning to retire. Who better to sell to than their own employees? David Banks spoke with Project Equity's Allison Lingen after last week's Employee Ownership Summit in Oakland, California. Project Equity helps owners sell their businesses to their employees and can help finance such transitions as well. Let's take a listen. It seems like worker ownership's kind of having a moment. What's that about? (laughs) Well, we keep saying every year that it is the time. Now is the time for employee ownership, and it actually keeps just getting better and better every year. So I couldn't agree with you more. We are having a moment, and we hope that we're sitting here next year saying, but this year is even better than last year was, because that's what we're all striving for, is for employee ownership to be a much bigger part of our economy because of the deep, deep impact that it has for workers, for businesses, and for for our local economies. Well, just tell us a little bit. I mean, people, I think, kind of get the basic idea of what worker ownership is of of businesses. But when you dig into it, as I did at your at your event, uh, there are so many flavors. There's so many uh, aspects to it. Um, 
without d- d- going too deep into any one of them, just give us a little bit of the landscape of what worker ownership really entails. Yeah, absolutely. The way that we think about it is that it's broad-based employee ownership so that essentially anyone in the business has access to becoming an owner. And so at Project Equity, we're agnostic in terms of form. So you could be uh, an employee ownership trust, you could be an ESOP, you could be a worker co-op, or there are other forms also. But the, the key is that, that essentially everyone in the company has access to becoming an owner. And the, and the strategy or the theory of change, of course, is that that is a wealth building tool for the employees. It also turns out to be a good exit uh, opportunity for the owners. Um, they are either aging out and want to retire or for other reasons want to want to get out. And the natural buyers might be the folks who've been working in that company for years. That's exactly right. And when you look at the backdrop of the silver tsunami in the United States, that's the great wave of retiring baby boomers. Uh, we estimate that one out of every two locally owned businesses with employees, one out of every two is owned by someone who is 55 or older, so at or nearing retirement age. And so we know that every year there will be an increasing number of businesses on the market. And so you've got a supply and demand imbalance. And so what better way to address that imbalance by introducing a whole brand new buyer to the picture who most people aren't even thinking of? who is, uh, that, that is the base of employees. And, and the alternative, uh, in many cases, for at least some businesses, might be um, a kind of more of a private equity uh, direction, which, um, you know, there's, there's obviously also a variety of private equity strategies, but one of them is always, you know, cut, you know, you know break up the company and fire the employees and cut costs, um, uh, which may not be as uh, advantageous either for the, for the workers or for the community. Yeah, and that can that can mean for a local economy. It can also mean relocating the headquarters or moving jobs out of area if you know if jobs aren't being cut that they could could move out of area. But then on the other end of the spectrum, um, especially in the smaller companies, you know, say 30, 20 or fewer employees, the the owner might just not be able to find a buyer at all. Or if they do find a buyer, their competitor is essentially buying their customer list and so is planning then to lay off the entire team, uh, shut down the location. So what you end up doing is you end up still losing jobs and losing assets in community uh, versus maintaining that business as a, you know, a, forward, a forward-going entity that, that retains all of those assets in your local community. I want to get into what Project Equity uh, uh, does to, to to foster employee ownership, but I think um, first I want to actually find out how you got into this uh, this field and, and 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 a little bit about your background. Sure. So it's one of those things that makes a lot of sense in the rearview mirror. Um, my my very very first job out of college was running job training programs for high school students. And, you know, brand new to the space of what, what it meant to, to think about trying to create future opportunity for people uh, from a professional perspective. So folks who weren't necessarily on track to be going to college or getting advanced degrees. And, um, you know, I started asking questions like, gosh, why are we helping to um, train people for poverty level jobs? How is that really breaking any cycles or really creating doors to opportunities? Um uh, you know, we did some interesting things where I was at and I, I left there in order to get my MBA to try and, and learn how to scale really quality programs. And um, 
then left my MBA to work in mission-driven companies, mostly in education, thinking, okay, well, gosh, if we could scale access to education, that would be helpful. And I kept coming back to this issue of, well, access to education as a way to create opportunity for yourself is great unless you are finding yourself in poverty in certain communities where you just have um, curveballs being thrown at you all day long that make it very, very challenging. So, um, so you know, how do we crack the, the poverty piece? You know, what's a sustainable way to do that? And I literally randomly got introduced to my co-founder, Hilary Abel, and learned about employee ownership for the first time. So notably, I did not learn about it in business school. I did not learn about it in the mission-driven companies that I was working in and all those networks of mission-driven companies um, that I was really active in. And it was just this light bulb moment for me of this is a this is a strategy where you have opportunity built into your job. So you can get a job that A is a quality job, so it typically will pay better, have better benefits, has access to the ability to um, you know, have an asset wealth generation for yourself, which can just be game changing for people, and also has professional, uh, high quality sort of professional trajectory potentially built right into that. For example, you could run for and be elected to serve on the board of directors of your business. Like how many of us have had that opportunity, right? So so with this, the, the deep impacts for the employees, and then as I learned about, these are also companies that outperform their peers, so the really deep impacts for businesses and for communities, the question then became, well, why isn't there more of this and why isn't this being taught in business school? And since I have an entrepreneurial personality, then the question became, well, what, what can I do about it? And that's essentially the genesis of Project Equity is our, our you know, vision really is for employee ownership to be normal and self-generating and something that, that everybody has heard about and, and isn't this thing of like, oh, well, that's interesting. Why? You know, must be weird or there must be something wrong with it simply because I haven't heard about it. Well, so that tees up exactly what project equities activities and, and programs are and what the strategy is. So let us know. Sure. Yeah. So if there were one solution to, to you know, scaling employee ownership, I think somebody would have done it a long time ago. So as an organization, we have a whole breadth of programs to, to each address different components of what the scale strategy needs to be. And so we started off really um, supporting companies one-on-one to make the transition to employee ownership to be sure that we knew how to do this and knew how to do it well, and that we were creating these opportunities for workers. And we continue to do that. And we transition our own internal team, you know, somewhere between six, eight, sometimes 10 companies a year to become, you know, newly minted employee-owned companies. We also really work to help local governments uh, engage and understand the benefits that employee ownership can have to their own local business retention. You know, so this issue of one out of every two companies being owned by somebody who's nearing or at retirement age What's the impact that that's going to have on your local tax base? So we help local governments understand that. We do data studies that help them look at it numerically, break it out, say even by council district sometimes for them, and um, and then they'll in, they'll you know contract with us to run programs to educate local businesses, and they'll subsidize uh, you know some of the first steps that businesses can take to figure out if this is a path for them. We do have policy work that we do. On the state level, we support federal policy initiatives because policy is a really important lever for change. 
And then we also educate professional business advisors. So we just recently brought on a gentleman who is developing programs to, um, you know, for for uh, continuing education credits for business advisors for us to scale the education for those advisors, so 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 they can become familiar with and advocates for employee ownership for their own clients when it could be a good fit. I suspect you might have saved the best for last. You also have the Employee Ownership Catalyst Fund that helps finance some of these deals. How does that work? Yeah, so we initially uh, got sort of into the financing realm because we saw a need for it from our own clients. So, you know, we were creating a pipeline for, for, for financing and our clients needed to be able to access capital. There are some real barriers to just walking into your local lender and getting alone for for transitioning your company to employee ownership. And so we first got started in 2019 with a, a partnership with a national CDFI called Shared Capital Cooperative. And we launched a joint initiative with them called Accelerate Employee Ownership. And that is still going strong and, uh, and doing very well. During the pandemic, we saw an increased need for very flexible capital to support companies either on the on-ramp to employee ownership or in the transition uh, to employee ownership. So we we conceived of and we launched the Employee Ownership Catalyst Fund timed with Labor Day in 2021. And really, it is set up to provide very flexible capital for any form of broad-based employee ownership, whether that capital is needed for a hundred percent transition or a partial transition, whether it's working capital that's needed before or at the time of or after the transition to employee ownership. So just to, to make it clear what the capital is for, essentially the employees are buying the company from the owners, but they presumably don't have the money to just shell out and pay that owner off. So they're taking out a effectively a loan. That stop me when I go off the tracks here. They're mm-hmm. taking out a loan that gets repaid essentially by the company um, to allow the owner to go off and 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 have the retirement that they they wanted to have or what, what whatever that may be. Um, and over time, the employees pay off that loan, become the owners of of the company, and so this is a is financing the 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 sale of the company to the employees. That's exactly right. And so the comp as you noted, the company is the one that's taking out the loan. And so this is, you know, the it's based on a historical positive cash flow that the business has. You know, these are companies that have been around for a decade, two decades, three generations in some cases. Um, so positive history of cash flow. And so the that means that you don't, the employees themselves don't need to, as I often say, have a rich uncle or a mattress full of cash, or even a house that they could pull a HELOC out of in order to become owners of this business. Essentially, their their work is creating profit that then buys the company from, from the owner, pays back that loan that bought the company from the owner. And so for the investors and the investors in your fund or other, other kinds of funds, um, it's a kind of a private credit uh, investment that pays some kind of return, and and uh, why wouldn't that be, you know, an, an attractive and appealing uh, investment? And why aren't there more such funds than yours? And why is there still a capital gap to to enable all this to happen? Yeah, well, I think that we are needing to both to to increase the capital at the same rate that we're increasing the pipeline of investable deals. 
And um, so we've got, you can kind of think of the, the opportunity to, for capital to move the needle on employee ownership in a, in a, in a, a few ways. So one is, is funds like ours or CDFI funds. There are a, a number of, of CDFI funds that specialize in either employee ownership or cooperatives. And, um, you know, these are, are loan funds where, where we're supporting companies to transition independently. So they start as independent companies and they end up as independent companies and they're involved in the transition process in making the decisions of what that looks like. And that's the, you know, the loan can be equity also, but we can just call it a, a loan to the company to transition. Then another approach is, is more of something that mimics an acquisition. So there are, are also funds that are set up to essentially go after companies kind of like private equity would and, you know, do a due diligence process, but, but have the capital available to be able to quote unquote acquire that business. But usually what's happening is they're, they're just, you know, making it employee owned from the get go. Um, so that capital can be very, very influential also in terms of, of creating more employee ownership. And then the third way, of course, is is through some legislative fixes to to some of the SBA loan programs that would open up. I mean, essentially, the SBA 7A loan guarantee opened up banks to finance small businesses. Now we need that loan guarantee program to be opened up further so that banks are willing to also finance employee ownership. But that's going to take uh, a legislative change to make that happen. And you, as you mentioned, your guys are involved in policy work there. I know there's federal um, activity, but you also uh, did actually pass something in California last year. Yeah, absolutely. So the work co- WORC, Worker Own Recovery California Coalition, which um, Project Equity was a co-founder of, and my 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 co-founder Hillary Bell is is the policy lead at Project Equity, but. Um, we were very influential in helping to get past the California Employee Ownership Act, which was signed into law in September by Governor Newsom. And what this law does is it establishes a hub in the governor's office, in, for those of you in California, in GoBiz, um, uh, a hub for employee ownership to sit right within the governor's office. And the idea is, you know, the state of California, as with any state, does a whole lot of things that support small business. And so how do we think pretty strategically about, well, what are those ways that it could also explicitly support the employee ownership form of small business and or remove barriers that exist to enabling some of the state programs to, to support employee ownership? Thank you, Allison Lingain, Project Equity, for joining us today. Thank you so much, David, for having me. And that's going to do it for this week's Impact Briefing. Thanks to Allison, David, and our producers, Isaac Silk. Ready to try Impact Alpha? Sign up for Impact Alpha Open free of charge directly at impactalpha.com. Want to go deeper? Grab a subscription and get full access to the site, Agents of Impact Calls, and the daily email brief. Just go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and choose an annual subscription. Thank you for listening. I'm Anique Aiken, Managing Director for TIP, the Investment Integration Project. Be sure to check back for next week's briefing. And until next time, take care.